Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Kaleka. Welcome to another edition of the Join My League Football Podcast. I hope everyone had a great Christmas or a great Hanukkah if you're Jew and a happy new year as well. And as always, the end of the calendar year puts a bow on the 2018 regular season of the NFL. So much has happened since the last episode two weeks ago. It's tough to get into all of it, but I'm pretty sure we're all aware, of, uh, well aware of what's going on. You know, who's in and who's out of the NFL playoffs. Uh, the NFL Black Monday came and 25% of NFL teams decided it was time to go in a new direction at the head coaching spot. Not to mention a number of offensive and defensive coordinators uh, received the boot as well. But today is a recap of the 2018 since the season is officially in the books. Going to give you some uh, some of the craziest statistics of the year, in my opinion. I'm going to revisit the beginning of the year, my preseason predictions, and tell you where I was right and where I was wrong. All that, and we got ourselves four wild card games this weekend that we need to discuss. But right off the bat, while reviewing the 2018 regular season, several stats stood out to me. Number one. This was the first season since 1987 that no team finished with an 8-8 record. The Vikings were the closest to that mark with an 8-7-1 record. An 8-8 record is really the definition of mediocrity in the NFL, and for the first time in 20-plus years, no team record-wise finished mediocre. Slightly above mediocre and slightly below mediocre, just not completely 100% mediocre. First time in 20 years. To me, that's very interesting. Stat number two, the Cleveland Browns finished seven, eight, and one, which means the Cleveland Browns won seven and a half more games than they did last year, or you could say they lost seven and a half games less than they did last year. And you could talk about the greatest single season turnaround in NFL history. You got uh, the 2008 Dolphins, the 1975 Baltimore Colts, Uh, 1999 St. Louis Rams, and statistically, all of those teams had a bigger win differential between the first and second season than the Cleveland Browns had between last season and this season. But am I crazy to think the 2018 Browns turnaround is up there with the best? You can make the argument that the Browns didn't make the playoffs this year and they still finished with a losing record. I would agree with that. You can't disagree with that. But look what the Browns have done over the last decade. The only other season over the last 10 years in which the Browns finished with seven uh, seven wins. Only one other season over the last 10 years did the Browns finish with seven wins. And that was in 2014. How did they follow that up? Four wins over the next three years. Not, Not four in each year. The Browns had four wins total in three years. Three wins and 13 losses in 2015. They went 1-15 in 2016. And obviously last year, they were the second team in the NFL's history to finish 0-16. And for some reason, this does not seem like the same old Browns. This team is different. And I think it starts at the quarterback position. Baker Mayfield, aside from Giants running back Saquon Barkley, is the rookie of the year and it's not even close. We're going to get into regular season awards next week, but the swagger, a word in which I absolutely hate, by the way, but the swagger that Baker brings to this ball club is something the Browns have not had since returning to the league in 1999 or whatever year that was. They fired Hugh Jackson midseason, 
and they are now probably the hottest spot for available head coaches in the league, aside from maybe Green Bay. So if Cleveland could find the right coach, they're going to be in contention for AFC North titles for years to come. And think about it. The Cincinnati Bengals are trash. And barring significant change, they'll remain trash in the AFC North cellar for the next few years at least. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on a path of self-destruction. They're losing superstar Le'Veon Bell to free agent scene. We've all seen what a pain Antonio Brown has been. Not sure if he'll be back. And their quarterback is on the back nine of his career. Probably approaching the final hole is Ben Roethlisberger. He's really close to the end of his career. And the Baltimore Ravens? Well, they're going to be the Browns' only divisional competition for at least the next couple of years. Probably and maybe longer. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson needs to learn how to throw the football, but that's a different conversation for another day. I know I trailed off uh, for a bit there, praising the Browns for the slightly below average season that they had with their seven and a half win turnaround, but that's got to be one of the most impressive things to happen this season. Uh, Statistic number three, heading into the playoffs, quarterback Tom Brady has 12 more postseason wins than the rest of the AFC starting quarterbacks have combined starts. 27 postseason wins and 37 starts for Brady, only 15 combined playoff starts for the other quarterbacks. In fact, Phillip Rivers and Andrew Luck are the only other quarterbacks from the AFC who have actually started a playoff game. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson... Zilch. Zero. Zero playoff starts. Zero playoff experiences for any of those three. You're sitting there trying to figure out which team is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Tell me that statistic is not going to come into play when making your prediction. Brady's 27 postseason wins is even more impressive uh, when you think of how many wildcard games he didn't even have to play because the team got the first round by. Nine straight first round buys. Come on. And you want to count out the New England Patriots because they had a quote down year. And crazy stat number four, DeAndre Hopkins, the best and most talented wide receiver in the league. He tallied 115 catches this season off of 163 targets. And as impressive as that is, the stat that sticks out to me the most, zero drops. Not one uh, dropped pass all season for Hopkins. It's got to be some kind of record. If you're not convinced that DeAndre Hopkins is better than Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, or any other wide receiver in the league, I will fight you. Send me your address, give me a couple of days, and I'll be there by Saturday, Sunday, and I'm going to be there to fight. Because if you don't believe DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the National Football League, you need a beatdown, and I'll be happy to provide one for you. And a bonus stat for you. This is a last-minute statistic that I, I didn't dig up, but I actually came across this on social media. The New Orleans Saints, their last and only Super Bowl win was in 2009. Still anchored by Drew Brees and Sean Payton, the 2009 Saints, they finished 13-3. and And so did this year's New Orleans Saints. The 2009 New Orleans Saints finished with the best record in the National Football League, got themselves a first-round bye and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So did this year's Saints. And again, the 2009 Saints team lost three games that season to the Cowboys, Panthers, and Buccaneers. This year's Saints team lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Panthers, and lost to the Buccaneers. I'm not saying the Saints are destined to repeat 2009 with another Super Bowl title this year, 
But man, that'd be something if they did, wouldn't it? And it kind of makes you think. All right, making playoff predictions five months in advance is one of the hardest things to do. And looking back, playoff predictions from five months ago are also some of the most difficult to admit. First off in the AFC, bust city for me. Man, it was really hard to go back and look at these predictions that I made, and it's even more difficult to come out and admit them to the public. I had the Patriots at the one seed, Chargers at the two, and Texans at the four. All three of those are in the playoffs, but the Patriots are two, Texans are three, and the Chargers are fifth. The other playoff teams who made it, the Colts, Ravens, and Chiefs, I had none of them in. Both the Colts and the Ravens, I do remember thinking of putting them in, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth seed in the wild card, but instead I had faith that the Jaguars weren't a fluke, and I thought the Steelers were going to be the Steelers, and, well, they weren't. So the hardest thing I had to admit is that I had the Raiders in the playoffs in place of Kansas City. All credibility gone. It just goes to show you that nobody has any idea what they're talking about. So go ahead and laugh. That's fine. Go ahead and laugh. But in my defense, I did not foresee Patrick Mahomes having the year, the MVP year that he had. And none of you did either. And as far as predicting a playoff appearance for Oakland, well... That was before the Raiders traded both Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, both of whom made the playoffs with their new teams, by the way. So give me a break. I know I'm trying to like cover my own tracks here, but please, give me a break. Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper were the two best players on the Oakland Raiders, and they traded them away. With them, I, I still believe the Oakland Raiders could have made uh, the playoffs this year. On the other side in the NFC, I didn't do too much better. I had the Falcons at the one seed. Again, tough to admit since Atlanta didn't even get close to sniffing the playoffs, but that was before the Falcons' defense got hurt. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain where I was coming from at the beginning of the year. But the Falcons, they never recovered, and they, didn't, they still didn't learn how to close out games or score in the red zone, which is something that I had faith they would figure out. Also had the Eagles, who did make it in, uh, the Vikings, who blew it as usual, the Rams, who made it, the Saints, who made it, and the Packers, I had as the final wildcard team, uh, who were a major disappointment all year. So out of the 12 predicted playoff spots, I got six correct, 50%, not too bad, I wished it could have been better, and some of these picks are downright embarrassing five months later, but my preseason Super Bowl prediction is still alive, and that would pit the New Orleans Saints over the New England Patriots in Super Bowl, that could still come to fruition. We will look back on preseason player awards in the next week or two, of which those I feel a little bit more confidently about. And now for some wild card picks. Wild card weekend is here, and just for the record, I went 4-1 in week 16 and 3-2 and for week 17. I finished the regular season podcast pick'em record at 49-26. and 26. It's good for just about 65%. And not too bad considering that I was 10 and 15 at one point. Overall, uh, for the regular season, I finished 162, 92, and 2, which is good for 64%. I think my next, uh, I think my goal for next season, finish with a better pick'em rate than Drew Brees' completion percentage, whatever that may be next year. Or I could, I could aim really high and shoot for the 74.1% he had this season. What are the chances? Not good. 
not good chances at all, but you got to aim high. And uh, I've put off releasing this episode till the last minute simply because we have some really good wild card playoff games this week. And I got Red Dead Redemption 2 for Christmas, so I've kind of been slacking a little bit. But we got some really good wild card games this week, and the Chargers, the LA Chargers, are considered a Super Bowl contender. And I I agree with that. You know, they are one of, if not the most well-rounded team in this playoffs. But they have to travel to Baltimore in the opening round, 2,000-mile trip, play at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern. And in all likelihood, they're going to play every game leading up to the Super Bowl on the road. If my research is correct, only 10 wildcard teams have ever played in a Super Bowl, and only six of those teams have won the Super Bowl. And the Chargers aren't the only wildcard team considered to be a Super Bowl contender. The other AFC wildcard team, the Indianapolis Colts, they're a lot of people's pick to make the big game. And I think that's fair. But they have a tough game this weekend. And the Colts have to get through Houston on the road again. These teams started the season a combined 1-8. and eight. And now they play each other in the wild card round. The Colts are an extremely trendy pick to go on the road and defeat the Texans. But that means they're going to have to do that twice. Because they already beat them once this year in Houston. They're going to have to beat them twice in Houston to move on in the playoffs. And you know, maybe they can do it. And I think a lot of people, since they're picking the Colts, I think I think they have good reason to think that. Because they've had the Texans numbers since Houston became an NFL team at the beginning of the century. 12-5 and five in Houston and 26-8 and eight against the Texans overall since 2001. These two teams met twice this season, as they always do, as division rivals. But each team got a win on the other team's home turf. Houston took the first matchup in Indianapolis, 37-34 in overtime. And the Colts took the most recent meeting, 24-21 in Houston. I've had an extremely hard time trying to pick this game. Uh, They're evenly matched in all phases, and Colts wide out T.Y. Hilton. He's had his best games in Houston. Six career road starts against the Texans, 32 catches for 734 yards and six touchdowns. That, my friends, is a real problem. So between Hilton having the Texans' number and the success that Indianapolis has had on the road in Houston, it's tough for me to go against the Colts. But there's more to matchups than history. You know, when breaking down games, you have to look at all aspects of the game and not just rely on one team or one player's history against the other. The first thing that I always look at is the schedule. How do teams fare against winning teams, losing teams, playoff teams, and so on? The only playoff teams the Colts have beat this year are the Cowboys and, of course, the Texans. They lost to the Eagles and the Patriots, 2-2 two and two against playoff teams for the Colts. The Texans have a 3-3 and record against playoff teams, so, I mean, they're both 500, but the Texans had a little bit harder of a schedule, and they still won the division. I think advantage goes to Texans in that category. Uh, defensively, the Colts have played stout all year behind rookie linebacker Darius Leonard. Houston, however, has been great against the run, and while I don't have a lot of confidence in Marlon Mack having a great game, the Texans can be had through the air. They rank 28th against the pass, and we know how good Colts quarterback Andrew Luck is. He's an MVP candidate this year. I think if the Colts' offensive line can protect uh, protect Andrew Luck and give him time to deliver his throws to T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron in the red zone, I think Indy should come out on top. But it is worth monitoring the injury report. I don't think there's any doubt that T.Y. Hilton plays, but his ankle seemed to bother him plenty last week, uh, last week against Tennessee. 
So I realize I'm uh, I'm kind of all over the place on this game, but there's so many things to consider. Again, like I said, they're so both teams are evenly matched. I just can't look past Andrew Luck versus a poor secondary. Nine games this season with three or more touchdown passes. And Andrew Luck had about 400 yards both times the Colts played the Texans. So I'm going with the Colts. Don't feel particularly confident about it, as with most of these wild card games. But I think the Colts do come out on top. Final score, 27-24. to 24. And I think the problem with this wild card weekend is a lot of the teams that I want to pick are on the road. And I think that matters. You know, if Indy was at home, I probably wouldn't have thought nearly as much about that game as I did. Same thing with the Saturday night game, Seattle at Dallas. If Seattle was at home, there's no way I'd pick against them. There's no way I'd pick the Cowboys. They already defeated the Cowboys this year in Seattle, even though that was back in September. And the Cowboys are a much different team than they were uh, back then. But I think, it, I think because it's in Dallas, it's making me a little hesitant to take the Seahawks. You know that feeling when you're making picks and you don't want to pick too many road teams, but if you pick all home teams, you feel doomed? That's how I feel right now. Both the Cowboys and the Seahawks, they rank toward the bottom of the league in passing offense, and Seattle ranks number one in rushing compared to Dallas ranking 10. But the Cowboys do have the league's leading rusher in Ezekiel Elliott. Defensively, Dallas is 13th against the pass, and Seattle is 17th. Against the run, Dallas is 5, and Seahawks are 13. Another very evenly matched game, and one that's extremely tough to pick. When breaking down everything, Seattle seems to have a slight advantage, kind of just about everywhere, ever so slight. But one advantage I will give to Dallas is defense. They've been dominant at times this year. They're looking for their first playoff win in over 20 years. Seattle has already overachieved this season, if you think about it. They weren't pegged to win more than five or six games this year. They rallied off a bunch of wins uh, down the stretch of the season, and now they're in the playoffs. So I think Seattle has already overachieved. And Seattle is 4-4 and on the road, while Dallas is 7-1 and at home, only losing that pitiful Monday nighter against Tennessee uh, some weeks back. And since then, the Cowboys look like a totally different team. They look like a totally different team ever since they picked up Amari Cooper from the Raiders. Now, taking a team that's quarterbacked by Dak Prescott and coached by Jason Garrett over a team quarterbacked by Russell Wilson and coached by Pete Carroll, it seems like a stupid thing to do. But this is the NFL playoffs and stupid things happen. Again, low confidence on this game, but I'm rolling with Big D. Cowboys win 21-20. to Sunday's early game is a rematch of a Week 16 Saturday night game as the L.A. Chargers travel to Baltimore to take on the Red Hot Ravens. When the two teams met two weeks ago, the Chargers played as poorly as they have all season. And there's no way, no way, that they play that bad again. Phillip Rivers played poorly, the running game struggled, and Lamar Jackson had his best game of the season passing the ball. All that and the Chargers lost by 12 points. The Chargers did not have Melvin Gordon. They did not have Keenan Allen. The Chargers were the only team to shut down Lamar Jackson on the ground, and I don't see why they can't do that again. LA lost that game 22-10, and I know the score uh, is in the books, and that's the score that needs to be taken into account for. But for what it's worth, the Ravens scored six points on a last-minute defensive touchdown. I don't think the score indicates how close that game actually was for all four quarters of play. In the Chargers' worst performance of the season, 
they only managed to be down by six late in the game until the fumble return. I think the Chargers' offense has to play better. There's no way they can't. They're too good. And L.A.'s defense plays just as good this time around. So the Ravens are as one-dimensional as it gets. So the defense is going to be ready. Not to mention Lamar Jackson, that boy, that dude, he puts the ball on the ground a lot. Seven games started this year, 12 fumbles, four of them were fumbles lost. That is not going to fly in the playoffs. And I'm not going to put trust, playoff trust at that, into a rookie quarterback starting his first postseason game as the youngest rookie quarterback to ever start a playoff game at age 21. I'm not doing it. I'm going to take the bona fide Hall of Famer and Phillip Rivers. And even though he's under tons of pressure uh, at 37 years old, Rivers is not going to get many more chances to win a Super Bowl. It's just about do or die time for him. And I say he does for this week at least. Bolts take it 21-13. And last but not least, the Chicago Bears return to the playoffs for the first time in eight years to take on the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles at Soldier Field. The Eagles are playing their best football of the season as of late, but I do think it's worth noting that three of the Eagles' last five wins were against the Redskins twice and the Giants. And although victories over the Rams and Texans were very good wins, neither team has a defense anywhere near than the challenge Chicago presents on that side of the ball. And one thing is for certain, the Eagles are not going to be able to move the, ground, uh, move the ball on the ground at all. They rank towards the bottom of the league in uh, that category, while Chicago ranks towards the top. So this is really Nick Foles versus the best defense in the league. Who are you taking? Now let's not forget, Nick Foles is a backup quarterback. Although probably the greatest backup quarterback of all time, he's still a backup. And I anticipate that the Bears will feast, leading Philly to a season low in points and yards gained. On the other side of the ball, I think uh, Philly is pretty good at stopping the run. The Bears are pretty good at running it. I think that's a pretty even matchup. And it's going to be an important matchup, too, seeing as the Bears' top three wideouts are all ailing from injuries. Anthony Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller, they were all full of participants in practice Wednesday, as of Wednesday. But setbacks do happen. You know, and... I think if all three are able to play, and I can't imagine that they won't be able to play, it's going to make Chicago that much more dangerous. I do think this game will be closer than I've currently made it out to be, but because this is going to be a traditional black and blue dogfight of a game, coupled with the facts that the Bears are at home, and I just can't imagine more than one scenario where Philadelphia is able to move the ball with consistency. However, that scenario... That one scenario is my scenario. I've done a good job since I started this podcast not showing bias towards certain teams and biased hate towards others. That is out the window right now. Because my scenario is that St. Nicholas Foles brings the magic to Chicago, makes the Bears his bitch, and makes them out to be the frauds that I most certainly want them to be. Yeah, this is petty. I know that. This is salty. And I don't really care. I have to deal with pesky Bear fans every single day thinking their team is hot shit since they have a good defense and they have made the playoffs one time this decade. So this is for all you and motherfucking piece of shit Bear fans back home that I call my friends. 
you will feel my pain. And for your sake, you better pray to whatever God that you believe in that the Bears win this game, then beat the Rams, win the NFC title, and win the Super Bowl. Because if they don't, I promise you, I will make your lives a living hell for the next nine months. Do I think the Eagles can win? Yeah, I absolutely think the Eagles can win. Do I think they will, in all honesty? No. However, I cannot pick them because I'm petty. And I don't want there to be any doubt in anyone's mind who I'm rooting for. Final score, and I'll preserve the shutout. Eagles 48, Bears 3. And that's how I'm ending this son of a bitch. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Um, This week was kind of difficult with all the travel at the beginning of the week, the new year, playing catch up at work and all that. Exhausted. I'm exhausted. So next week, I'm going to cover a lot more. I'll do a quick review of the wildcard weekend. What's next for the losing teams of this weekend? Obviously, a preview of the divisional round, where I was right, where I was wrong, fantasy edition, season awards review, and whatever else I can come up with. So tune in next Friday. Stay up to date on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I promise I'm going to start posting updates a little more often now that the holidays are over. So uh, enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Congrats if your team made the dance, unless you're a Bears fan, in which case I hope your team gets wrecked. Sick of you people. I cannot wait for you to feel my pain. And oh, have a fantastic weekend. I'm just playing Chicago. You know I love you.